0: Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Man, it's so good to have you guys with us today. And for all of us joining us online as well, we're in a new series called One Hit Wonders. And I love this because we're going to look at chapters in the Bible, books of the Bible, only one chapter in them. And they seem like they're small and insignificant. But in these chapters, these one chapter books of the Bible, there's such deep um, fruit and things in there that we can glean from. So I'm excited. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the New Testament to a little letter called Philemon. Uh, it's it kind of near the three-fourths to the end of the New Testament called Philemon. Well, um, when I went on my whole health journey and things like that, one of the things that I got corrected on quickly was because when I lost a bunch of weight, carbs were bad. You ever heard carbs are bad? Don't eat carbs, right? Don't eat carbs late at night. Don't do carbs. That's what I heard all the time. Then I had people like the good Dr. Jerry Maitland, who would tell me that you got to have carbs if you're going to build muscle. And then finally, when I got some coaches and different people, they told me you got to eat carbs and a lot of them. And so I went to quadrupling my carbs in one day. That means from 100 grams to over 400 one day. So guys, I'd never done that before. It felt so wrong. Like I'm, I'm, I finished eating my rice and my chicken. Then I'm, I'm going to eat a sweet potato because I I still need more carbs. Well, no, I, I need some more carbs. So I, th- I think I'll just have a bagel. I'll just toast it and eat that. And i like, it felt wrong doing it, but it was right because I had to use that to build muscle, right? I had to go and eat all that stuff. Have you ever had to do something in life? You're like, this feels so wrong, but I know it's right. Have you ever had those dilemmas where you face that? Where you know it's the right thing to do, but oh, man, it's going to hurt you. It may not turn out like you expect. And that's kind of how I felt with food. I also felt that way the first time I went without a mask. It was in Florida, the great state of Florida. I was visiting. No restrictions were lifted in Virginia. And I'd go in there with a mask on. My, my friend's like, hey, bro, take that thing off. Nobody's wearing these things down here. I'm like, really? Ooh, oh, this is so wrong. Oh. And in life, let me say this. This is what it comes down to. Doing the right thing in life will often feel wrong, And it's oftentimes going to feel like it's not going to turn out correctly if you do it the right way. The culture will tell you to take shortcuts. It'll tell you to lie, to cheat, to steal, to do anything you can to do what's best for you instead of doing the right thing. In the letter of Philemon, what you're going to see today is Paul is going to actually ask a friend and ask another friend to do the right thing even though it feels wrong. This little letter of Philemon was written by Paul when he was on house arrest in Rome. So he's arrested for the gospel. He's on house arrest, he's writing letters, he's ministering, he um, he can have people come and visit him and leave, and so he writes this letter to his friend Philemon. Now, what's interesting is in Paul's 13 letters he writes, nine of those he is saying, I am the Apostle Paul, like establishing his apostolic authority as a church leader, right? And all these other letters. Well, what you're going to see in Philemon, he doesn't do that. This is a friend. And this letter here is something that you'd wonder, why is it even in the New Testament? Because it's a personal letter written to a friend making a, an, an appeal. There's a young man named Onesimus who was a slave there in you know, the Roman days of slavery. And he escaped, he left, and he ends up getting saved under Paul's ministry. And Onesimus not only gets saved, but he starts helping Paul out. He's, he, he's been a great minister, helped to Paul. And then Paul gets to the point, he says, hey, onesie, come in here. That's his nickname, right? Come over here, we need to talk you know that you left and broke Roman law by doing that. It's the law. We've got to make things right. He says, I need to write a letter to Philemon, and I need to talk to Philemon. Most scholars believe that uh, the song and the, in the, in the verse, O Holy Night, when it says, and chains shall he break, and the slavers our brother, actually is inspired by this here. Because what Paul's going to appeal to in his friend Philemon is, man, onesimus is now a brother in christ i need you to do the right thing and what you're going to love about this letter is this i say this all the time because if you're skeptical and and you've been taught at a university or by your family or by culture that the Bible's just a a behavior modification book written by people to to as religious views to keep you from doing right and wrong that's not what the bible is if people who say that, if, if a professor at university says that, he's wrong. Because what this is is a letter of a friend written to another friend on behalf of someone else to do the right thing. Nothing religious in there. It's not like you've got to pray at 6 a.m. and pray at 9 a.m. and make sure you do this and that. This is a beautiful letter, and it's, and it's something that I think as you read this, you're going to see the spirit of what the Scripture says, especially dealing with doing the right thing. He says this here, he says, this letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Aphia, and we believe that Aphia or Aphia, that, that she was the one who actually, uh, you know, kind of ran the, the, the slaves there. She was over them. He's appealing to her as well. He's not only talking to the husband, but also to the wife, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, who we believe that is to be their son, and to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. He's kind of setting him up. You see that? Like, I know you have great faith, and I know you love people. So he's going to be, you know, he's going to come come at him in a second. He says, I'm praying for you that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer to simply ask you, Consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus has been much of use to you in the past, but now is very useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my very own heart, I wanted to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems that you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave. He is a beloved brother, especially to me. And now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you would consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. Paul didn't write many letters with his own hand. Understand that as he got older and some believe he had eye troubles, he had Silas and Timothy to help write as he would, you know, dictate to them. But this is how important this was to Paul. He says, I will repay it to you and I won't mention to me that you owe me your very soul. Right? It's like, you know, I mean, you owe me everything that you are. (laughs) Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. For I am confident as I write this letter to you that you will do what I ask and even more. And one more thing, while I'm at it, might as well ask for this too. Please prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greeting. So do Mark and Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my co-workers. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul is asking Philemon to do the right thing, even though it may cost him something. That when he welcomes in this young man again, Onesimus, he's no longer a slave. He's now a brother in the Lord to help further the gospel. Paul's asking Onesimus to go back to him. And it kind of felt wrong for Paul because Onesimus was helping him. He was a a, a fruitful, helpful um, uh, friend in ministry. He says, now you're going back to him and it may not turn out right. He may turn on you. See, they're writing letters. They're not sending emails. There's no quick correspondence. And Paul's asking Philemon, hey, look, I want you to do the right thing, even though I know this feels wrong against culture. I know culture tells you it's okay. I know by Roman law, this guy is a slave, right? He's a bond servant, they called him. But I'm asking you to do the right thing. And today, what I want you to realize is this. When you're called to do the right thing in life, Doing what is right sometimes feels so wrong. It's like, oh man, I don't know. Sometimes you're called to go and ask for forgiveness from someone who you don't really like that you've wronged, but it feels so wrong to do that. Sometimes you're called to do the right thing at your job, even though it feels so wrong to do it. And when you're going to obey Christ and obey the scriptures and live by the scriptures, it may feel wrong, right? But it's called doing the right thing, and that's what Paul was saying to, to both of these guys here. And Paul was actually losing in the process too because he was losing someone who was helping him in ministry, who he loved, who he, he you know, who was mentoring, and, and the guy was serving with him, helping him in Rome. And I want to encourage you because you're going to have times in life when God's going to call you to do the right thing, to call the right shot, to end something, to start something to set something straight, to approach someone, to handle a conflict, and it's going to feel wrong. And and here's why it feels wrong. There's a few reasons. The first one is this. We can't calculate how people will respond, can we? That's why it feels wrong sometimes. And a lot of times, you're called to go in and have the hard conversation, like Paul's having with Philemon. Paul's very passionate in this letter to Philemon And He can't calculate how he's going to respond. He's telling Onesimus, I don't know what's going to happen, man. All I know is this is the right thing we have to do. And I'm asking him to do the right thing, and I'm asking you to do the right thing. I'm not sure that that anybody will do the right thing, but I know this is what we have to do. And many times we go into conversations saying, well, if I go and ask them for forgiveness, I know what they're going to do. They're going to be a jerk to me. They're going to say this to me. They're going to do that to me. If I humble myself, they're going to walk all over me. You can't calculate how somebody else will respond. That should never change you doing the right thing, even though you don't know what, what response they're going to give you. Amen. Like somebody, else, somebody got that. And that's what God calls us to do as Christ followers, is to go against culture. Because culture will say, well, I, I know exactly how they're going to respond. I'm not even going to go do that. But the second thing is this. Many times it's hard and it feels wrong because we have no guarantee it's going to work out. Doing the right thing. You go, and you do the right thing, and you may lose your job for it. You go, and you do the right thing, and it may not turn out good. I remember there was a, many, many years ago in a galaxy far, far away. There was this couple that I was counseling, and, and they want to be members, but they were living together, and they, they were, not, um, you know, were not married, and they were proud of it, just flaunting it, right? And I said, hey, you, you, you just, I, scripture, scripture says this here, you know, you, you need to be married, and we love you. I'm willing to do ceremony. We'll, we'll, we'll do everything we can for you. They said, well, well I, I, I get a check. If I get married, I won't get as much of that check. And I just said, hey, look, how much does obedience to Christ cost you? And of course, they got mad, right? Because you have no guarantee. They had no guarantee if they got married, if, if all the checks they were getting, all the stuff they were you know, doing would work out, right? In the same way, I had no guarantee by saying that to them. And I had to as a pastor. I can't just like look over it and say, who cares and do what you want to do? No, you've got to do the right thing. But when you approach someone with a hard conversation, when you approach someone in any way, shape, or form, you have no guarantee it's going to work out. Matter of fact, when you do something, when you launch something for Jesus or you try something, you never have guarantee it's going to work out even though you're doing the right thing. And here's the problem that we run into, and and here's where we mess up at, and this is why many of us make bad decisions, and we don't approach it, we don't tackle it, we don't do the right thing, we end up doing the wrong thing, and it hurts us, and here's why. Oftentimes, and and, and here's the thing that's tough, I want you to realize this, if we only do what is right, to whom it is right, with a guarantee they will do what is right, guess what? You're going to make a bad decision. I'll say it one more time. If we only do what is right, to whom it is right, with the guarantee they're going to do what's right, you're going to make a bad decision. Because you doing the right thing has nothing to do with what they're going to do in the response of it. And I had to learn that early on in leadership. I had to learn early on, I will give advice to people, and their following of my advice doesn't make the advice good or bad. I'm going to give godly advice, godly counsel, godly wisdom, what they do with it is on them. And if we, if we only give the advice, if we only do the right thing, if we only, because we know it's going to work out and they're going to do the right thing, we'll make a bad decision. And Paul was challenging Philemon with that. He had no clue how his friend would respond, but he knew he had to have the conversation. And that's what followers of Jesus have to do. They have to make the decision, they have to have the conversation with no guarantee at all that it may not turn out right. You know, this happened to me, and I've shared this story in times past where we had a consultant at one time, a very, very sought-out consultant, and we made this connection with him, and the guys was going to come in and, and do this uh, consulting with our church and help us, and he, he just helps out so many churches. He has a great eye for things. I was super excited about the relationship, um, but things got a little weird. Eight months before he was going to come, you had to book him eight months out, he wanted, he, he wanted all the money. <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, I mean, I don't, I said, look, Dan, look, I, uh, I don't know if you're, if you ever worked in the business world, but you don't get the money before you finish the job. Like, you, you might get one-third of it, fishing construction, maybe one-third in the middle one-third at the end, but you ain't getting all the money up front. And the guy got mad at me. I said, well, what if we do this? Here, here's what we, we can do for you. And then he, he called back a little later. He said, well, you know, here, here's what I'm going through. He started sharing some personal things in his life what was going on, and I thought it was very odd, very weird that he would be sharing (laughs) with a client about some personal Okay, so we send that money away. And then as time got closer, he reamed me, called me up and just reamed me because we didn't get him a first-class ticket on an airplane. And I'm thinking, bro, listen, man, the people in our church, I respect the money they give. I don't fly first class if I go somewhere to do ministry because I want to be a good steward of this money. And he was mad because the hotel wasn't a high enough rated hotel for him, right? And he kept going on and on. And then he, then he went after some of the staff, said, well, that, that guy, Keith, you know, you need to tell him, tell him how to be hospitable and treat people. And I was like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> I'm going to tell you all something. I went off on that guy. I spake in other tongues. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I went off on him. I called him back and said, you know what you can do? With you? I, said, I said, we don't want you to come. You're not coming to our... He said, are you serious? I said, yeah. He said, I've never been turned down before. I said, we're turning you down. I said, I would rather our church not grow and not have your insight than to have someone of your type of character inside this church. And I refuse to do that. The problem is at that point, this was two weeks out, he had our money. I said, I'm not going to ask for the money back. I said, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do the right thing because you serve Jesus. And I'm asking you to do it. He says, Well, according to my contract, I don't have to do anything. I said, Yeah, you don't have to. I said, You're not coming. I said, You choose what you want to do, but it's not worth it to bring you in. And he kept all the money. Now, now, I've I've, I've shared this story before. Every time I see him on social media, I pray for him in a a good way. I pray God's blessings and God's favor because God tells you to bless those who persecute you, bless those who wronged you and all those things, and I do that. But I share that story because that was a hard thing to do because, number one, I would not bring someone in who would talk dirt about our staff, right, and who would get mad at me because they don't get first-class tickets and five-star hotels and steak dinners. Like, this ain't Hollywood, baby. This, This is ministry. And I knew I had to do the right thing, even though it would cost us something. And I knew the jerk would keep the money, guys. I knew he would. I'm just going to be honest with you. But I had to do the right thing. See, God's going to call you to do the right thing. and Here's what you have to understand about that. Doing what is right doesn't mean a return. Just because you're doing the right. See, that's what karma says. If you do good things, good things will happen. If you do bad things, bad. No, it, it, karma, is, that's the dumbest thing ever. There are people who are sick and twisted who have tons of money who are living it up right now, and nothing bad's happened to them. And there are people who are good people, and bad things happen to them. What we have to understand about following Jesus, doing what is right, doesn't mean you're always going to get a, a return. And especially in the area that you do it in. Let's say you approach somebody and you do what is right, but they don't do what is right. Can I tell you this? God honors you and what you did. And God will bless you. It may not be in that relationship. Like, like that, I don't think that consultant's ever going to call me up and send us that money back. <laughs> but can I tell you something? In other areas of my life, I'll start seeing God's blessing because I did what is right. I honored God with obedience, and that's something I learned from a boss when I worked in, in a marketing. And so I worked in marketing for Surfpro when I was in Georgia, and I would come back and every day my boss told me he was a very, very like just meticulous guy, and I had to come back on every place I visited and give him a report because he used to do the marketing because that was he, he'd, he'd run the business, and and you know after a while I, I said I'm really discouraged. I'm not seeing any jobs come in from the places I'm directly marketing to. He says, no, no, I'm not worried about that. I said, why? He said, I know this. If you do the right thing and and you're putting the principles into practice, it may not come from that person, but he says, because he served Jesus, he says, I know God will bring it from somewhere else. And that's the same thing when it comes to doing what is right in life. You may not, that's what tithing is. Tithing doesn't mean God's going to fill your bank account up like, you know, like like ducktails, you know, and you're swimming in, in coins and up and down and all that. Like, like when, you, when you tithe, it doesn't mean God's going to make you a millionaire. But when you give to God and do the right thing, God will start blessing you in other areas that you just had no clue. Like, wow, I had no idea about this, no idea about that. And, and that's the same thing when it comes to doing what is right. So here's what we have to do. Do what is right when it's, number one, when it's difficult. Because doing the right thing is often the difficult thing. It's not the easy thing. Do what's right when it's difficult. Paul was asking a very big favor of his friend that was going to be very difficult because can you imagine Onesimus coming back home to Philemon and Aphia and him saying, all right, now you're one of our peers now. You're going to serve with us. And the rest of the, the, the people who are bond servants there who signed up for this, mind you, that's what they did in Rome. They signed up for this, this type of slavery. It was like, you know, you, you sign in as an indentured servant, as a bond servant. The rest of them will say, hey, what about me? I'll follow Jesus now too if you let me go. I mean, could you imagine the trouble that this one caused Philemon for Paul asking this? And Paul had no guarantee that Philemon wouldn't jump ship again once he let him go back to Philemon. And we don't know if he ever did or not. We don't know the rest of the story. But you have to do what's right even when it's difficult. The second thing is this. You have to do what's right even when it delays you. And sometimes doing what is right slows down progress. Cutting corners will speed up progress. You've known people like that before, right? And for me, I have values keepers around me, some really good values keepers that that cause me to go through a process, and especially my wife's one of those, because doing the right thing will often slow down the progress. For instance, I'll never forget, my friend Brett taught me about excellence. He said he learned it from his dad, by doing the right thing when it came to painting. So what they would do, they'd go paint those propane tanks. So maybe, you know, most of them are buried now, but you, know, do you guys remember the ones that were actually above ground? Maybe you have one. And, and so anyway, they're really heavy and they're on the ground. And what they would do, though, his dad would tip over that thing and paint the, underneath that propane tank. And it was hard. And Brett's like, Dad, why are we doing this? They'll never notice if we don't paint this. He says, son, they'll never notice if you do, but they'll notice if you don't. He said, excellence is painting the bottom of the propane tank. And that's the same thing in life, guys. When it's doing what is right, will sometimes take you longer. It may cost you a little more, but you're doing it because you know it's the right thing to do as a follower of Jesus. And then finally, I'm going to say this, doing the right thing can be detrimental. We talk about the consequences of disobedience. You've all heard the preacher say, yeah, you, if you're disobedient, God's going to strike you down, right? Scared to death? I remember I had a friend, <laughs> he's, he's an older pastor, he's probably in, in, in his 70s now. He said when he grew up, you couldn't go to the picture show. You guys remember it was called picture shows, right? Especially he was in a holiness church, and if you went to the picture show, man, God would just be mad at you. He'll never forget, he, he, he snuck out of school one day, he went to the movie, it's a movie theater for young people in here, um, that's what a picture show is. He goes to the movie theater and he watches, watches an army movie that had killing in it. And as he left the movie theater, he had a pain in his leg. <laughs> And he fell down to the ground and started crying out to God for repentance. He thought God was striking him dead <laughs> for his disobedience and watching the picture show. <laughs> but there's, there's consequences to our obedience as well in a good way. When you do the right thing, like when John the Baptist calls out Herod and says, man, you're doing, what you're doing is wrong, and then he gets his head on a platter. Like, like you have to understand that sometimes doing the right thing is actually going to cost you in the short term. But here's what you and I have to do, guys. I want to close with this today. Here's what you have to understand when it comes to doing the right thing. Following Scripture, being obedient to the Lord is this. Trust in God's principles even when you don't see the tangible results. Because you'll say, man, I'm doing the right thing. I don't see anything from it. Nothing's happening. And you and I have to understand that God will call us to obedience even when you don't see the results. It's called trust called trust. See, there's a guy who visited Mother Teresa one day, and he goes up to Mother Teresa, and he says, Mother Teresa, he says, I want you to pray for me. Pray that I will have the clarity that you have. You see things so clear, and you're serving God so faithfully. Will you do that for me? She says, I will never pray that prayer for you. She said, I've never had clarity one day in my life. I've only had trust. And when it comes to doing the right thing, can I tell you, you, sometimes you just have to just trust God with it. Yeah, you could lose that relationship with that person. They may turn on you. They may leave the church like it happened to me that time. You may lose the money from the consultant. You may lose the job. I don't know what it is for you, but many times we don't follow through a letter like Paul did to Philemon because we don't think it's gonna work out we don't know how they're gonna respond and we start making all these imaginary scenarios you doing what is right has no bearing on anybody else and can I tell you when you obey the scriptures and you do what God's called you to do he will bless you he will when, when I first started many of you guys know I played in a Christian band and toured for several years I got saved, and my, the town I grew up in was a town of 3,000 people. It's just not like a lot of musicians, especially musicians playing the music that I played in the Christian realm. And when I first got saved, I had a band that, had, that took me in, and they'd like let me play bass in their band, and we toured. We played with, you guys knew Grits, the, you know, the, the, the rap band, the Christian rap band. They're amazing. Got to play with them at this really big, I mean, there's like thousands of people at this concert, and I'm playing with this band, and I'm like, man, this is great. But can I tell you, I just got saved, and these guys weren't really followers of Jesus. They weren't. They, they grew up in youth group, but they really didn't follow Jesus. Like, you can go, go to church and not follow Jesus. And their lifestyle was something that I'd just come out of. They were still doing all the things that I'd got saved out of. And I knew it was hurting me. And I went to a church service that Sunday. I'll never forget the pastor saying the very thing that I'm saying to you today. He said, you've got to do the right thing, and God will bless you. He says because He says, if you'll take care of your purity, God will take care of your power in life meaning that purity equals power and that you need to separate yourself. From I knew God was speaking directly to me to leave that band. And I called them that day and said, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the band. Hardest thing, because this, this was my dream to get to do this, and I've been saved three months, I'm getting to do it. And I decided to start a little Christian band myself with an acoustic guitar, didn't have much, had never sang, had never led, never written music. And I just had to trust God. didn't have didn't have the results and we were really bad when we first started we were terrible i had to train our bass player he had never played bass before so i'm teaching a guy to play bass um the one drummer was as country as you get he had never heard punk rock music i had to carry him to punk shows and let him sit beside the drummer and watch the drummer the whole time like we were just pitiful but i knew i knew that i'd done the right thing by leaving the other band and i knew that i could trust god even though i wasn't seeing the results and in two years we had a record deal and we were touring and we were doing it God's way this time. And I just want to, I don't know who this is for today, but God's calling you to do the right thing. There's a person you need to talk to. There's a person you need to go have a hard conversation with and they may get mad, they may scream at you. You've done the right thing. There's a person you need to go ask for forgiveness from. You're saying, that dirt bag, I ain't asking for forgiveness. I ain't done nothing wrong. Done that. And God's saying, that you know what you need to do. Has no bearing on. It. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but I'm telling you, if you'll do the right thing, you will see the return in some other area in life when you obey Christ. Amen. Let's pray this morning, Father, I pray that you would help us. as these situations arise in life, God and, and there's a tendency to, to do what we think is right versus what we know is right. Give us the courage, God. Holy Spirit, fill us today to take that next step of what you're calling us to do, Lord. We pray for that. And Father, there's people in here today that that are not taking that step because they're worried about what people think around them. I pray today you would help alleviate that pressure from them, that they would care more about what you think, Father, than what people think. And God, we ask for the boldness to do what is right, to follow you, to obey your scriptures. And to trust you, Lord, that even in the short term, it may cost us something. In the long term, we know, Father, we'd rather have your blessing in the long term than to have earthly treasures and have comfort in the short term. We thank you for that. And Father, we know that you're going to come through and you're going to speak to our hearts this week. As we're praying today here, church, in this mode of prayer, it, for you today, it may be that you're doing the right thing. It's giving your life to Jesus maybe as a kid you said a prayer, or maybe you walked away from your faith, or you've not been really connected to the Lord at all. or Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. You says, today is the day. I've got to do the right thing. I might have to give some stuff up in my life, but what I'm going to gain is so much more. Today is your day to surrender to the Lord Jesus. You know He's speaking to your heart. So right where you're at, if that's you today, pray this prayer after me. Make this confession of faith you shall be saved. You say this, you pray, God, I believe Jesus is Lord. Today I make him my Lord. I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth today. Forgive me of all my sins. I repent from my old life. Now today I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. And I believe he's the only way to heaven. And I surrender my life to Jesus. God, use me and help me to do what is right. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.